Hi, it's Mark Sinkowitz, and welcome to the Germination Podcast. I had the pleasure of attending the Prairie Grain Development Committee, or PGDC, meetings in Banff, Alberta last month. I sat down with Glenn Hawkins. He's Pulse Research Manager for DL Seeds. He's also chair of the Prairie Recommending Committee for Pulses and Special Crops. We had a great chat about what the Pulses and Special Crops Committee was up to this year. The significance of some recent changes in terms of who's breeding major pulse lines in Saskatchewan and the future of pulse breeding and tools like gene editing. Enjoy our chat. Awesome, yeah, thanks Glenn for uh, for sitting down with me and uh, obviously we're here in Banff for PGDC 2023 and you're the chair for the Prairie Recommending Committee for pulses and special crops? Correct. And so what are you looking at this year in terms of lines, et cetera, the numbers? Uh, so this year we have, it's a, almost a record for 39 lines up for recommendation this year. Almost a record, wow. So I think it is a record. Why is it a record this year? How come so many? Is there like a <clears throat> surge in, in pulse breeding? Well, I think the, the, rec- the, the surge came on the lentil side. So with the separation of uh, whereas Sask pulse growers used to be connected to CDC those agreements lapsed and now they're separate entities so uh, now that Sask pulse growers is has a relationship with uh, Lima grain so they've brought all their genetics that they had access to in the lentil side through the system right ah, okay so there were some changes so, there. So yeah, so I guess that they're called you know LCRC Lima. Yeah. So they they they've come to the table with six P lines and eleven lentils this year. Oh okay. So they're the, they're a big chunk of what we're looking at this time around. Really, this is probably the first time in my tenure here with PGDC where where to, where a collaboration is has become separated and then a new collaboration's formed and they bring in over the genetics from the previous company, right? So all these lentil lines were all bred through CDC, but through agreements became property of Sask pulse growers. In the past, if we if we continue down the lentil stories, it was CDC was the, the major and pretty much only breeding institution in Canada that was bringing forth lines for recommendation. Uh, so I guess, you know, this maybe just broadens the scope a little bit, or yeah, maybe we'd, we're seeing a few more lines out there than we would have in past years now that there's two, not breeders in the game, but two people looking to get lines into, the, two groups looking to get lines into the marketplace. What, I've ne- what, what is marrow fat? So marrow fat peas are generally, uh, they're a different class of pea. They were generally green. Um, a lot of times they're used in uh, snack foods. They tend to be sweeter. Um, they're a large pea twice the size of a standard pea. So that they really have a, we consider them a specialty class of pea. We don't see a lot of marrow fats. We, we see two this year, and that's probably the first two that we've seen in 10 years. We're doing a story for our March issue, uh, Next Gen Leaders, we're calling it, and one of the people, I, you'll be on the cover is uh, Tom Greaves at Petra Seeds. And I know you guys developed, they're going to be marketing their own yellow pea variety, uh, PS, PS Boost. Boost. And I know you guys developed that. That was a DL variety recommended last year. 
Yeah, so that that's really exciting. <coughs> that um, and, and I know that one actually, from what I understand, originally came from uh, Germany. Originally, yeah, through our our breeding partners in Europe. Yeah, then was brought brought to Canada, and now uh, Pateur is going to be marketing it. Uh, sort of like as a specialty variety for the protein sector. Correct. And so that's that's an example of how that that that's what comes out of these PGDC meetings is that's sort of the you know you you have a line that comes here gets recommended the government registers it and then people are then able to you know bring that to market. But one question I often get is well P, what does PGDC do and and why is it significant and how does it matter and and I guess that's one good example. Yeah, I think the biggest thing that you know, I look at PGDC and us as recommending committees, and what we do is we, we provide that linkage between breeders and institutions and and sort of the risk assessment of bringing a new variety to market and whether it meets, we call it merit, here in, in, our, in our groups, that it meets the requirements to be handled safely by farmers and reduce risk. Um, the theme of this article is probably be... Uh regulatory because that's that was what the plenary session was all about and and I know in, in, in order to bring a lot of these innovations we need a good regulatory system etc and, and is that something that at DL that you guys are sort of keeping an eye on is um, you know as we do seed regulatory modernization and all this that we need to be able to use these new tools like gene editing is that something that you guys have on your radar? Um, not so much on the pulse side of it but you know DL DL's a major, one of the players in the canola breeding game, and of course, uh, breeding tools and the ability to use, uh, make changes like that to genomes is, is standard issue or standard course in, in, in canola breeding. Yeah. Um, the, the, the genomics and the molecular biology and the, the sequencing of canola genomes is the, at that point where it's useful. I think we're just hitting the tip of the iceberg in pulses. There's a little bit less investment in in high-level genomic research in pulses compared to some of the other crops that have a higher market share that are more lucrative. Yeah, yeah. The the best is yet to come, as they say. In pulses, I think so. Like you know, we 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 see now on the forefront that we're starting to see those genomics tools. But again, um, genomics isn't a cheap endeavor. And uh, you know, if you want to get in that game, the, the amount of investment that's required, you know, and if we let's use faba beans for an example, we have a crop that's garnering less than a hundred thousand acres in Canada right now. There's not really the return on investment to garner or to warrant high resolution molecular tools in a breeding game. There. Yeah, yeah, it it's a fascinating area, and, and guys like me like to write about it. It does does make a good headline, but uh, the the, the reality of it, I guess, is much, much different than, you don't just wave a magic wand and come up with, say, a gene-edited variety. It, it takes a little bit more, more consideration, more planning than that, I would think. Yeah, most definitely. And it, well, another DL Seeds um, connection uh, for our next-gen leaders is uh, Evan Gillis. Yes. One of your canola breeders. Canola he's, breeders. Yeah, he'll be, he'll be on our list, and so it was neat to catch up with him and find out, you know, all the exciting things coming in canola and whatnot. And mm -hmm. Looking forward to that too. But no thanks, Glenn, for your time. This was great. For more great podcasts, visit germination.ca.